Hello, I'm John Kenny, the Relationship Guy, and Relationship Coach, helping people to create healthy, intimate relationships. Welcome to the show, the show where we talk about all things relationships with a mix of my own relationship ramblings and some great guests from all walks of life who will be discussing the importance of relationships to them. Hello, so my guest today spent a decade as an actor, director, writer, editor and educator and is now a messaging expert, helping mission-driven experts design and deliver their world-changing messages through TEDx, coaching and copywriting services. Welcome to the show, Kathleen Melvin, all the way from North Carolina. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, Great to have you. Um, That was uh, a very brief introduction to yourself Uh, if you could (laughs) tell the listeners a bit more about yourself what you do how you help people yeah so the work that I do really is all about that message that's on your heart I help my clients get that message out into the world because so much of the time as business owners we know what's important to us we know what we have that can really make an impact on the world but we're not sure the words to use mm. to sort of channel that or or the ways in which we can we can really affect people and so through TEDx coaching and through copywriting i really help people take those ideas those messages get them distilled down into what's really important and help them learn how to tell that story yes. so that they can bring people into into their business, either as a general audience or as clients, but that they can make that impact and start to ripple outwards in the way that they really want to. Okay, awesome. I, I lovely what you said there, the message on your heart. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think that's, that's, that's really kind of stuck with me. I'm going to remember that one. Um, so you help people to create that message and be able to express that in a way that gets... Again, how do you, I mean, I saw your TEDx and I thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, for sharing that with me. Yeah. Um, so you can help people to kind of be able to express their message. Mm-hmm. When my TEDx clients come to me, they're usually at a point where they're like, I know sort of kind of generally speaking what I want to talk about in my TEDx talk, what I want to share on that platform. But often they, the idea is so big. TEDx talks are maximum 18 minutes. They're on average about 12. And so you have to be really discerning about what the most important elements of that message are. And so when they come in and they've got this, these, these big ideas floating around, I help them sort of um, wrangle all of those ideas and put them, distill them down into what TEDx calls your idea worth spreading. Okay. The idea worth spreading. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Again, that's a, quite a catchy little thing to think about, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so you go through helping them to really, like you said, hone down on that really mm-hmm. specific message that's going to have some kind of impact and say as as much as they possibly can in as little words as possible. Right. 
Yeah, that's that's the first part of the program that I take them through is is getting that idea distilled down. And then, of course, we decide what events are going to be the best events for them to apply to. I help them with their applications and it goes through the whole process of getting the talk itself written and edited and finalized Mm. and memorized and then up on its feet and finally ready for the final performance. And my goal for my clients is that that whole experience is a really joyful one, especially when you get to that final performance and you have the opportunity to stand on stage on what they call the red dot (laughs) and share these ideas with a live audience. I think that it, that it should be incredibly joyful. And I've, I've seen other people come to that point and they haven't had the support along the way. So they're feeling underprepared. They're Mm -hmm. under rehearsed. Maybe they're not even super confident about the ideas and the way that they've arranged them in the script. And so it's more of a scary experience and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be at all. It can be invigorating. It can, it can, be joyful it can give you all sorts of energy mm. and and that's really what i want for my clients yeah no i've I've noticed that before when i've done a talk that i've been underprepared for mm-hmm. it's scary right yeah, i've always felt fairly <laughs> nervous like well i'm often gonna get I've, I've probably used too much prompting as well mm-hmm. from sort of slides or whatever as well because i've not done enough work on it but then like mm-hmm. the stuff that i really know off by heart there's just a much better flow. You get mm-hmm. your point across so much better. You feel so much more comfortable. And like you said, it's an mm-hmm. enjoyable experience standing right. up in front of people and, and being able to speak. And connecting yeah. in that way. I remember way back when I was in high school, I was a speaker. That was my sport of choice. Definitely. I didn't do volleyball or soccer. I was a speaker and a debater. Right. <laughs> And I competed all the way up to the national level in a whole bunch of different categories across my four years. And I remember one year, my junior year, I think I was at a national tournament and there's, there was a break between like the final state level tournament. And then there was like a month before the national tournament. And I didn't do the work in between. I didn't, I didn't rehearse my talk. I had been doing the talk for, for several months. Um, But there was, if there was a rule that if you went over time, it was a 10 minute speech category. If you went over time, you couldn't be ranked number one in the round. And so it was really important that you understood your rate and where you were going to land as far as that final time. Mm And I knew that I had packed my talk, that it should come in at like nine minutes, 58 seconds. <laughs> but because I hadn't rehearsed it in that time frame, I got so nervous about going over time that I sped through the whole thing. Right. And I, it was uncomfortable. It was an unpleasant experience <laughs> because I was so nervous. And it also affected my performance because when you're speeding along you the audience can't follow they can't they can't relate in the same way um and so yeah having 
that's a lesson that has stuck with me for the last, you know, 20 years because I was so disappointed in myself for not doing the work ahead of time. Okay. Yeah, absolutely no chance of winning at the impact. Yeah, no. It's no. interesting what you said as well, that connection. You said like to enjoy yeah. it, to be prepared, to be able to. And I think, like you said, if you're rushing through that, the audience couldn't relate. They couldn't connect mm-hmm. with you as a speaker, could they? Because you were mm-hmm. too busy living in your own head um, yeah. about what you needed to be doing, that you weren't able to be in the room with the other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And that's really why you why you get up and give a talk, why you give a speech, right? Whether you're doing it for your business or maybe you're, um, maybe you're like a member of a church and you get an opportunity to, to give your own sermon or things like that. Like mm. the whole reason that you get up and talk is to connect, mm. is to share your feelings not just your like intellectual ideas, yeah. but but the feelings that those ideas are rooted in yeah. to share those with the audience so that it's really, it's not technically a dialogue because the audience isn't saying anything, mm. but it's an energetic dialogue. Yeah, yeah. And it can be really beautiful. Now hopefully they're not saying too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless that's your style like some some speakers ask the audience for responses um but yeah if if you're if you're not asking for responses they're probably not giving you yeah they're probably not giving you words in response but they're giving you energy yeah and I guess that's the thing with a TED talk I was actually quite surprised when you mentioned that about the length of the TED talk it's very small amount of period Mm -hmm. but with a TED talk especially there is no interaction is there with the audience there can there can be i i could stand on stage and i could say how many of you i just ex- i just told this story how many of you can relate to that story raise your hands yeah. and and have the audience respond in that way or even verbally i could say i want this half of the audience to shout this word and then you know you you have control over over the storytelling and that's one of the really nice things about TEDx is that it's very flexible. Right. Like there's a gentleman who used a blowtorch on stage in his TED talk. Mm-hmm. There's a woman who um, she gave a, a TEDx talk. Her whole thing was like the putting too much pressure on creativity. Mm-hmm. And so she was an inventor, but she was putting so much pressure on herself as an inventor that she wasn't inventing anything. And so she went on a mission to invent totally useless things. <laughs> and so in her TEDx talk, she brought one of her totally useless things yeah. to demonstrate. And so as opposed to the traditional like speech, um, like you might find in, in, a, in a corporate setting or something like that, where it's like, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. And then I'm going to tell you. And then I'm going to tell you what I told you. It needs to be three bullet points. And like, there are no real rules in TEDx outside of it has to stay within the time frame. It shouldn't be about pseudoscience or religion. Right. And it shouldn't be promotional. Okay. So basically just getting that message across 
Yeah, it all comes back to the idea worth spreading. And that should be your ultimate, ultimate focus. So if your idea worth spreading is served by having a literal dialogue a verbal back and forth with your audience or by having a crazy prop like a blowtorch, then then that's absolutely the way to go. And you have ultimate freedom mm. to do that. Mm. So. And I guess that woman's completely useless tool then had a purpose at the end of the talk. It did, yeah. <laughs> As being the completely useless thing. <laughs> Not so yeah. after all. Um, a little par paradoxical there. So I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about your acting. I mean, you you did that for over a decade. I you did. also were a director, writer, editor, amongst other things. Uh, mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about that journey and then maybe how you transferred that from there into what you know you do now yeah I think that it's all very much intertwined so I don't know that I would have even been able to be a competitive speaker in high school had I not done children's theater before that because in theater you have ordinarily you have the support of the ensemble of the team that's on stage with you. So starting out as a child, I did my first community theater play when I was 10 and I had a very small role. So you can sort of incrementally get yourself used to being in front of people, speaking loudly. That's something I still get notes on is, is Kathleen, you're too quiet. Can you, <laughs> we can't hear you. Oh, really? Okay. It, it is. Yeah. I'm naturally very soft spoken. I am, I'm the special combo platter of introverted, shy, and socially anxious. And there are actually a lot, people are usually surprised to learn that I had a career as an actor and I am introverted, mm. but actually theater um, and, and, and performance in general attracts a lot of introverts because it is, it's very internal, very emotional, very um, empathic sort of work. You, you literally put on someone else's clothes and someone else's shoes and embody mm. that person, whether that person was a real person or, or a fictional. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was able to sort of use use my theater to inform my speaking, my speaking to inform my theater. And I, I studied theater in, in college. That's what my degree is in. Um, I studied classical theater. So lots of Shakespeare, Shaw, Ibsen, <laughs> all the old dead white guys that we still <laughs> like to read and see performed. Yeah. And then, yeah, I worked, I worked as an actor and a director for a little over a decade. And for about eight years of that, I also owned my first business, which was a touring children's theater where we would send theater educators to all different communities across the United States. Um, and they would spend a week in each community and put on a play with the kids right. who lived there. Right. Yeah, so sometimes, nice. yeah. Yeah, sometimes we were in places where that was the only arts program that the kids got all year, like only dance, only music, the only theater. And then other times we were in communities where it was a, a, a very robust arts community and we were supplemental to all of the other options that kids right. had 
across the year. So it was a, every week was different and every week there were kids that like their lives, you knew their lives were changed from spending that week with us. And so that was really powerful. Amazing. Amazing. It's interesting what you said there. I've spoken to a couple of actors previously, not on the show, but, and they said actually that their their self-worth, self-esteem, self-identity was quite poor. Mm. Um, But actually being an actor, it is all about being somebody that's not you. And they felt very, they were great actors. They felt very comfortable being somebody else, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily comfortable being them. Um, And I think that that, I don't know that I would say that like my self-worth was low, but I absolutely understand the work that I did as an actor is the most natural work that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely where, where my ease lies to step into someone else, to tell someone else's story in someone else's words. I was not an improviser. I was a a scripted traditional live theater actor and to be an actor is so different from being a speaker because as a speaker, you stand on stage and it is you yeah, and it is your ideas and it is very, very vulnerable in a way that I, I personally don't feel um, when I embody a role, when I'm performing a play, Kathleen doesn't exist. Nobody knows about Kathleen. Kathleen lives in in some other universe. And so they're really focused on the characters and on the story that the characters are going through Mm. and the relationships between those characters. Okay. So that transition that you made then, what made you change from, I guess it sounds, it was quite fulfilling and and there was a good space for you to be in. What, What made you move away from the acting? There... There are a lot of challenges in the theater industry. It is not a very healthy industry in a lot of ways. Um, Financially, obviously, we have this like stereotype of the starving artist. Mm. There's a lot sort of going back to the idea of like actors struggling with their self-worth. There's no other career that I know of where your resume has your weight and your height and your hair color and your eye color on it and you submit it. And someone will say, oh, she's too short. Oh, she weighs too much. Oh, whatever. And if you do get the audition, you walk into into the casting director's office and the hallway is lined with a dozen or 15 other petite, white, brown haired girls in their in their 30s. Um, And so there's a lot of comparison. There's a lot of there's like a lack of a, a lack of control, not that we ever really have control in, in whether we get a job or not, but um, it's not based on our experience all the time. It's not based on our skills all the time. It's not based on our relationships all the time. It 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 can literally be, oh, we've already cast the woman playing the mom. So we're bringing this girl in to play the daughter and uh, she's, she's, too white she's too dark she's she doesn't look related um or it's a it's a you're you're auditioning to play a high school cheerleader oh she's she's too chubby (laughs) like so it's very um it can be hard in that way that's not something that I so much dealt 
with, but it it is there are lots of actors who yeah. who deal with with um with self-worth issues because of that. Yeah. And so it's just there's there's a lot to um there's a lot to be desired about the industry itself. And it's hard. It's I I was tired of hustling. I was tired of working all the time. The work itself is is fantastic. Yeah. I love the work. But there's so much around around that that yeah. was not healthy for me. I guess the, the balance wasn't quite right there. Yeah. yeah. So what made you move into what you're doing now? So when I was running my children's theater company, my business partner and I, in, in theater, you don't have like a C-suite. You don't have a team of executives. What you have is the artistic director and the executive director. Right. And so she took on the executive director role. I took on the artistic director role. And so I was overseeing everything creative about the organization. Mm-hmm. And because we were a very small organization, that also meant that I was doing that work. And yeah. so I had minored in writing in college and I always knew that I I would like my day job to be writing focused. And then when I started this that that business, I ended up writing our website. I was writing emails. I was also writing all the creative stuff like scripts and lyrics and music um, supported by a team. But through that is really when I started studying copywriting. I didn't know what I had never heard the word copywriting. And then little by little, people realized that I was doing that work for my own company and they would send people in their network to me sort of a, a, a side hustle with without any hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, I took the work when people asked for it and um, which wasn't very often, but it was enough to like give me an inkling of, oh, people will pay for this. Mm-hmm. People value this. And so that was really what set the foundation for my transition into full-time copywriting and editing And then in the meantime, I took a very, very short, when I left the theater industry, I took a very short detour to law school. I was in law school for seven months. I, after, after owning my own business and being deep in my business for eight years, I was just the, the lack of autonomy in law school and looking forward to being a firm worker. Um, I was like, this is not, this is not going to work. And so (laughs) I decided to drop out and the experience of making that decision is actually what inspired my TEDx talk. Okay. Which is all about the the lesson that I think a lot of us have grown up with which is when you start something the most important thing is to finish it. Mm. And and the the shame and the challenges that can come with then being a quitter, being a dropout, but and the bravery that it takes to make that choice to mm. quit something. So I had been working as a, a copywriter. I had I had built up this business community. My TEDx talk was coming out. I started reaching out to people in my community to, you know, sort of uh, galvanize them to send my talk out into the world when it came right. out online. And people started like 
looking at me and being like, okay, you have this background as a speaker, you have this background as an actor, you're a writer, you're an editor, you've now given a TEDx talk. I want to give a TEDx talk. Okay. When I get my TEDx talk, will you take all of those skills and will you coach me? Okay. And that just felt so good. It yeah. felt so natural. Mm. And like all of these things that I've done previously in my life have have I've sort of leapt from lily pad to lily pad to get here and so that's how I started doing doing TEDx coaching was actually because the people that I had already had relationships with Hmm. and and who understood where I was coming from that they asked Hmm. they said would you consider this yeah I guess that shows the natural sort of space that you were in Mm-hmm. which kind of brings yeah. us on to that kind of relationship thing doesn't it it's the relationships that you already had mm-hmm. which opened your eyes to the possibility of what you could actually what was actually right for you I guess because people were saying mm-hmm. you're kind of drawn were drawn to you even though you weren't putting yourself out there say this is what I do mm-hmm. people were like I love what you do and <laughs> <laughs> you help me do the same <laughs> right yeah no I I I already had given some thought to like maybe someday that's something that I'll start thinking about. Mm. One of those things where like, unless you decide to do it, you're never going to do it. But it was really having then the support of people who I had never expressed that to. I'd never said, you know, maybe, maybe someday I'll coach people. Um, So they came up with this idea independently on their own and came Mm. to me and I, and I felt like oh other other people see this too this must actually make sense mm. it's not just living in my own head yeah 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 it's, you've got an audience before you ask for one yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, the relationships then so tell me a little bit about relationships and the significance of those to you in your life and how they maybe have helped and maybe have hindered you in the past yeah so that is such a big question and there are so many different like angles that you could look at that through. Mm-hmm. I think I'll I'll start by saying I have been full-time in this business for a year and a half, which is not very long. Mm-hmm. And I have gotten to the point where because of the relationships that I have made in that time frame. I don't do a lot of selling of my copywriting um, services. Those those clients come to me as referrals. They come to me because um, I'm I'm in a group with them and they see what I do. And so they say, oh, I absolutely want to work with you. Yeah. What that has done for me briefly is... I, because I don't have to put energy into selling those services. And I decided I wanted, I want this service that is new as of this year. I'm like eight months into, into marketing it. I get to put my energy into that new service while my bills are paid by, by the first service. Yeah. And so I'm really I'm glad that that's something that I decided to focus on building these relationships right from the beginning. The first thing that I did when I decided to go full time was I enrolled in 
a coaching program that had a built-in community. So I knew not only was I going to get the benefit of the program itself and that curriculum and that coaching, but I also had a room full of 300 people that I could connect with and chat with and learn about and, and, and build that, that relationship foundation. Mm. And I've continued throughout, um, throughout the months to select different communities to be a part of, um, because that's so powerful mm-hmm. because when you when you make connections with people that aren't sales-based that are just i'm interested in you i think you have good ideas yeah i want to talk to you i think you're fun that those are the relationships then that can really deepen and actually one of my current tedx clients we met in that first program. Okay. So we've known each other now going on two years and just building, building our relationship together. When he decided it was time to give a TEDx talk, mm-hmm. he said, Oh, Kathleen's the person. Yeah. <laughs> I know her. I trust her. I, res- I respect her ideas and her expertise because it was because we had that foundation. So it's not a like building, building relationships is never and build and certainly building business relationships is no different, but it's, it's never a, a fast lane. No. And so I think that when, when we go into business, we can feel a lot of desperation to like make the sale, to grow our audience, to do all of this stuff really fast. Yeah. Because we're like, ah, we have to pay our bills. It's reasonable that that we, we have that yeah. that um that reaction. Right now. <laughs> yeah, right. And so it's a it's it's a slower path, but I have found it not only really valuable, but really rewarding. I love that I have I work from home, I work online, mm. I don't meet my clients face to face or anything like that. And so the way that I have sort of created my, my coworkers, so to speak is, is through building these relationships with other entrepreneurs who are also sitting behind their desk with their cat all alone every day. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not too lonely though. Does that that suit the introvert shy and sort of socially anxious part of your personality as well? Or, and how do you manage that? It, because I guess if you're hundred people as well, when you're doing your training, there's going to be a sense of you having to be able to overcome some of that. Yeah, it's, you know, that's something that my shyness is something that I have been trying to like strengthen that bravery muscle for about the last 15 years. Right. It's been It's been a process and a project for me. And I have gotten a lot better. I have learned from being in really uncomfortable situations. It is still part of who I am Mm -hmm. at my core. And it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of pep talking. Yeah. (laughs) For me to have the kind of social interaction that, that, um, 
that's e easy for some other people and a lot harder for some other people. Um, so that's definitely something that that I work on. I, I do think that interacting online is in some ways easier for me. Mm -hmm. It's quieter. <laughs> I um, I have a, a, a lot of sensory sensitivity issues. And so being in like a networking room where everyone is chatting around me is yeah. very um overstimulating and 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 can be scary okay. so being in a zoom room people don't it's like you're in a breakout room of six people and it's very much like a here and there back and forth sort of conversation as opposed to yeah. being able to hear and observe everything that's going on in a in a in a bigger space so that's really helpful but yeah, even doing things like this, I'm I'm used to it now. I've done a lot of podcasts, yeah. but I my first few podcasts were very scary, <laughs> and I would have like talking points written out, okay. even though you're um, from this performance type background. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And is it? I don't want to go into too much deal. I mean, we don't. Look, I mm -hmm. can, I could ask loads of questions. <laughs> Just wondering. Then, so much to unpack there, Kathleen. There, there is. You have yeah. so many neuroses. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not turn this yep. into a coaching session today. Um, there may be another time. Um, but it is it's interesting <laughs> that you said you say that, that there is this, you know, your whole background has been putting yourself in front of people, but even to talk one-to-one -one online, maybe getting your voice heard. I mean, but you've done a TEDx talk, so you're, you know, you've clearly got out there and your voice has been heard. Um, it's scripted, though. Yeah. But this... this it's scripted and it's memorized. Space is, is where you kind of then these kind of maybe, like you said, this stuff comes back up and resurfaces. Mm -hmm. But again, I was also yeah. to point out, it's not, there's nothing wrong with being introvert and shy, is there? I mean, that's, you know, we don't right. want people to think <laughs> that they're, they're, <laughs> you're not allowed to be that way. Is there something wrong with it? Uh, I guess the socially anxious thing, it can cause you problems. Um, mm -hmm. But actually, being slightly within yourself and whatever—I mean, they just so that's not a personality flaw. Yeah. That's just something. There, there are benefits. Yeah, but it's also like if you're going to put yourself out there into the world to be seen, it's going to be an issue that perhaps you're going to need to really focus on, like you said, and give yourself those pep talks mm -hmm. from that space, so that yeah. you can overcome the anxiety and not worry too much about going into that environment. Mm -hmm. And we met online as well, didn't we, on the network? We did. Phone. You know, yeah, we met in a networking group. We did. We did. <laughs> and I think that's the significance in of relationships it comes back to, doesn't it? Like you said, with your business mm -hmm. especially, the relationships that you'd cultivated, they saw you as a person that they wanted to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Or, yeah. So, again, that's Absolutely. really important, like you said as well, that relationships need nurturing. Mm -hmm. And I think even, I mean, one of the benefits – as a business owner and doing podcasts is our friends who who are listening right now you're hearing me for 30 45 60 minutes however long this episode ends up being and you get to know other people don't know that i about these struggles and and some of you might connect with me because of that and so even in a situation like this, where where John, you and I are 
having a conversation and other people are going to listen in later, those relationships are still being built. Mm. Even, even if I'm never aware of, of Susie, who's out there listening right now, I may never meet Susie. I may never interact with her, but she's there and and we do have a relationship. Yeah. She could have made a connection with you without you Mm -hmm. even knowing. Yep. And something that you said, something that you've done will resonate with her. Uh, that she can listen to and take away mm-hmm. and i think that is the amazing thing about these types of podcasts is you know you never know and it's hard very mm-hmm. rare that i actually get any feedback from, yeah. <laughs> from the shows at all. <laughs> and then i'll bump into someone and say oh, i listen to your podcast amazing thanks for putting that out there but they won't necessarily say anything unless you bump send in. you an email and be like oh i just listened to episode 61 <laughs> and i just want to tell you <laughs> that was amazing <laughs> But you know, feel, but do do that. Yeah, Those of you who are listening, yeah, leave effective. a review, yeah. send a note. <laughs> Just it's nice to hear the feedback. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I love doing it anyway. So even if nobody listens, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I'll continue. Um, thank you very much for sharing your story with me today. I believe that if people would. Uh, like to get in touch with you you've got details of how they can do that and also there's a little Mm -hmm. freebie that you've got to give away yeah so if any of you out there listening decide that tedx is something that you might be interested in exploring i have my yay (laughs) (laughs) so this one's for you john too there is a workbook on my website it is called the first steps to tedx playbook And it is basically your first three things that I always want everyone to do as they get started on their TEDx journey. It gives you that three-layer foundation for your very powerful and very joyful and very impactful TEDx talk in these easy-to-implement building blocks. So you can find that on my website. It is writecatcreative.com slash first steps playbook and write cat creative as r-i-g-h-t catcreative.com first steps awesome. we'll put all the notes in uh put all that detail all the details in the show notes for people to be able to get hold of that um people can listen to your own talk via website and they can also get that yeah. on could you what mm-hmm. is your web just your website yeah, so it's writecatcreative.com slash brave leap sideways. Uh, and it's a it's a great talk. I was I was um, thank you. I own and um, do go watch that um because it will give you an idea about how obviously uh, Kathleen can help you mm-hmm. um, structure something like uh, she did for herself. Um and yeah, again, thoroughly recommend you go and, and go and listen to that, even um just to get an idea about again what the topic that you talk about as well yeah is is, is really interesting um and again something like that will help people in certain areas where they might be considering things themselves or struggling themselves mm-hmm. so definitely go and have a absolutely um any kind of words of wisdom or quote that you'd like to leave the listeners with i think that the words of wisdom that i want to leave you with is based on my TEDx talk. Right. It's this this idea that when you feel like you're stuck on a treadmill, 
whether that is a treadmill of your career or of your educational path or of a relationship that you've been in. And it feels really scary and maybe impossible to get off that treadmill. There's no off button. There is still a way off. You can take your brave leap sideways. You can take that up over the handrail of that treadmill and land on the solid ground, take a breath and figure out what your next right step is for you. It might not be your forever path. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know that I necessarily believe in forever paths at this point in my life, but just getting off that treadmill, taking a break and saying what feels right to do next can be so powerful no matter which direction you decide to go amazing thank you very much yeah. um, Kathleen thank you very much for being a guest on the show today I'm sure the stuff that we've spoken about will be uh, of interest to others and will also be able to help them in specific areas of their life um, and the significance of relationships again comes in so many shapes and forms mm-hmm. uh, and what you've touched on today again with people in business especially but again this stuff to take into your personal relationships that relationships need to be nurtured uh, and that you're going to attract the right people towards you if you're in the right space within yourself and it sounds like that's the kind of way you got to that allowed people to come towards you and say actually we really want to be able to do this with you and I guess in all types of relationships that's what we kind of we need to portray we need to be in that space where we attract the right type of people towards us Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. Excellent. So thanks again. Um, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, follow and review the show. That is very much appreciated. And please do reach out if you would like to know more about how you can create healthy, intimate relationships in your life. I will leave you with this quote from Carl Bond. Although we can't go back and make a brand new start, we can start now and make a brand new ending. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Relationship Guide.